what these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Buckets brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Sean Little. You can find him on Twitter and in the Action Network app at Chicago Flow. This is your Friday Best Bets episode and our weekly futures look. On today's show, later on, we're going to get into NBA divisions. We're going to see if there's any sort of value to be found in buying low on some of these squads. There's kind of an assumption that things are settled, and I don't know that they are in all cases. We'll get to that. Plus, we'll give you best bets for Friday. We'll start with those, and you can track all those in the award-winning Action Network app. Best way for you, track your picks. You get up second information where the bets and money are coming in on. You can do cool stuff in there, like you can look at, you know, how did you do when you bet a certain amount? How did you do when you bet less? How did you do when you uh, well, futures versus totals versus sides? There's all sorts of splits in there you can do. Also, you're going to find insider information uh, from our pros tools team on where the bets and money are coming in on. Cool stuff you're going to find in the Action Network app. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube page. Go to youtube.com slash the Action Network. You're going to catch all of our great live shows. We have live shows coming up this weekend of the favorites in Jersey. If you live in the New York area or near Jersey, anywhere basically in the Northeast, because I just assume all you folks can get anywhere if you have with your public transportation, with your wild public transportation uh, versus out here in the in the West where I have to fucking drive everywhere. Uh, you can join the favorites team and a lot of the Action Network personalities out at the Shepherd and the Knuckle. Uh, make sure to check out the favorites page in the podcast for more details on that all right sean let's get to friday best bets what do you like in the association on friday i'm gonna go to san antonio i'm gonna take the spurs money line minus 120 versus charlotte hornets okay uh i am laying the wood i am taking the minnesota timberwolves minus 13 versus the portland trailblazers i'm also taking the the orlando magic plus three and a half on the road versus the miami heat all right so you're taking you know, Spurs had a really good game the other night versus the Pistons. Wemby has a triple-double. They look a, a little bit better. They're actually starting a point guard now. Um, playing the Hornets, who I I was like, oh, this this team is terrible. And everyone was like, no, they're going to be like decent. And then, like, I talked myself into it. And then I bet they're overs. And now those futures are all dead. <laughs> and I blame the internet for, for bullying me into believing something I, I thought was not true. But it's also not fair. They've been missing an important guy. Though. Yeah, yeah Lamella, been important Lamella's been out, even though I think he's, I ranked him as the 87th best player in the NBA this season on my top 100. <laughs> took a lot of shit for it. Now, that's what makes me most mad, is that I can't be like, ha-ha, I was right! Because uh, it's like, oh, he, he hasn't played. Sucks. So yeah. hope he gets better soon. Because uh, he is a really fun guy to watch on highlights, as long as you're not watching the games. Uh, but Spurs, favored versus the Hornets. Why do you like San Antonio? This is, first of all, this is also why you need to go subscribe to the YouTube channel and watch these live sometimes because you don't get the facial expressions. It's hard enough to get the sarcasm through just the audio. Go watch some of these and you can see me and Matt cracking up on some of this sarcastic jargon back and forth. But yes, I like the Spurs here. Moneyline minus 120 
against the Charlotte Hornets. Don't look now, Matt, but the Spurs are playing better ball as of late. Four and one ATS in the last five. Last four games for the Spurs, 12th in net rating, number one in turnover percentage, only turning it over 11 times a game, ninth in defensive rebounding percentage. And these are against solid teams. Grizzlies with Morant, Bucks, Cavs, and then that win that we just mentioned where Wemby had the triple-double against the Pistons. But they did smoke those boys. They beat them by 22. It wasn't a grinded-out game where they just beat the Pistons. They, they beat them up pretty good by 22. Let's talk about the Hornets. One in 14 in their last 15, dead last overall in net rating over that span. Just horrendous on offense, horrendous on defense. They've been decimated by injury, but LaMelo Ball, a couple hours ago, was announced that he is upgraded to questionable, could play in this game. That still doesn't spook me. I think this is a really good spot for the Spurs to win two games in a row for the second time this year. The first time they won two games in a row this year, Matt, you'll remember, they beat the Suns in Phoenix back to back on like the little duplex home and home. And that maybe should have been our, our, our initial red flag that the Suns might have some issues here coming down the pipe in the 2023, 2024 season. But we'll get, we'll, we'll talk about Phoenix another time. Maybe we'll talk about them in the division piece, but they only have two home wins all year long. The Spurs, I believe they'll come out motivated, try to get a W for the home fans and win two straight for that second time in the year. Spurs have been favored twice this year. They're 2-0. Only the second game in five days, so they'll be rested. I believe the Spurs get the W here. We talk about this all the time. There are, there are points in the week and on the schedule where, hey, we know we're not a good team. Pop knows it. Victor Wimbanyama, of course, is a rookie trying to get his footing. They have a lot of guys over there. Keldon Johnson, who I really like his game. But there's, there's times where they suit up. And they're like, we're going to be hard-pressed to get a W here. We're in Boston. We're probably not going to win here. This is one where they're suiting up, thinking they're going to get the win at home against a horrid Charlotte Hornets team. A good opportunity to win two in a row, get another W in front of the fans. I like the Spurs here. I don't think anybody knows they've been playing a lot better ball as of late. I'll lay the, the, the 10 cents, take the Spurs minus 120. I wouldn't be mad if you took minus one for minus 110, minus 105. Wherever you can get the best number, whatever you feel comfortable with. But I believe the Spurs get the W here. So since they upgraded LaMelo from out to questionable, I would probably say you should wait and wait till LaMelo is uh, ranked in and then bet the Spurs. And like I, I, that's probably what I will do is I will actually bet San Antonio if LaMelo is clear to play. Uh, here's a number for you. Over the last three seasons, this includes a really good season that they had a couple of years ago um, since 21-22. Okay. Um, the Charlotte Hornets are 20 and 27 straight up, 21, 23 and 3 at 47.7% ATS. So just over the line for, um, for clearance or just at the line there for clearance for, for profitability when LaMelo plays and Gordon Hayward does not. And this is with a worse team than it was two years ago. Like, this, the, Gordon Hayward is your, is your, that's your anchor. Like that's no doubt. if if Lamelo plays and Gordon Hayward plays, okay, all right. You want to play the Hornets in a in a good spot when they're grabbing some when they're grabbing a bunch of points. All right, fine. Okay, they're they're dog shit, but I get it. You gotta 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 play some dog shit teams sometimes. If Gordon Hayward is out, you should never bet the Charlotte Hornets. You should never ever bet the Charlotte Hornets. Also, PJ Washington also doubtful here. So even if Lamelo comes back, 
like this team is still pretty much garbage. Uh, so I, I fully with you, um, love the cap on the, the size and how they played. Also, Mark Williams out. They're missing what I, who I think is yeah. their best center. So like, yeah, no question. It, even if the Hornets get Lamelo back, they can get their best player back. They're missing all of the important guys. So like that's just how this goes. Um, so I'm with you on this. I actually have three. Um, I missed one uh, earlier. I want to say that I'm also laying the points with the Utah Jazz minus two and a half versus the Toronto Raptors. Um, I want to start with that one. So I've got this uh, rated with the Utah Jazz being significant favorites over the Raptors. Raptors have played awesome. Like I've upgraded them significantly for adding Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett. They're playing awesome. Raptors are in a bad spot. They're at the end of a West Coast road trip. They're going to altitude. When you're at the at the end of those road trips, what you don't want to do is you don't want to go to altitude. Now, Toronto's tough as nails, and that makes me nervous here. But the market is not catching up on where Utah is, even by giving having them lay two and a half. Like they are laying that what this essentially is saying because two and a half is the average kind of differential um, this season in terms of home court advantage. If you take uh, every team's net rating, the average, and then subtract that. Uh, or I'm sorry, take their home net rating and then subtract that from their overall, the difference is 2.5 points. And that's been the case over the last three seasons. If you give the Jazz average home court, this is a pick in this spot. And I think that underrates where Utah's at in terms of how well they've played 8-2 and two in their last 10 straight up. They've played phenomenal basketball. They are also terrific at home, and they are especially terrific when they are actually as good or better than the opponent, which they are definitely in the Raptors tier. Even with the upgrades that Toronto has made, Utah is in this tier. So I will go ahead and I'll lay the 2.5 uh, with the Utah Jazz at home here. I love this scheduling spot, too, for, yep. the U- for Utah to cover this number. Let's talk about the the minutia and the and the the things that don't get spoken about too too much when we come to a spot. We talk about the end of the road trips all the time, but this is very unique with the Raptors coming off the mega rant and the and the free throw game against the Lakers. They feel like they should have won that game, right? The league is against them, the world is against them, everybody's against them, they're not getting any whistles. Then they bring all that anger and play a really close, tough game against the Clippers. Clippers don't cover the number. If you backed the Raptors off of that rant, you got the W. Now, they got to be running on fumes. And they're going to altitude. And they're going, this is the final game of the road trip. And when they get home, they have to play Boston. This is the spot that would be a little tough to get up for. They got up for the Lakers and got screwed. Then they got up because they, they, were, they were angry that they got screwed against the Clippers. No travel there. They got they got to stay in L.A., which was nice. Now it's the final game of the road trip, and that's before they have to go home and play Boston. This would be a tough game for them to get up. And, yes, similar to what I believe in the Spurs the last few games here. It's a short sample size, but four games they played well. I laid out the teams that they played. Those are some solid teams here in the NBA, especially with Ja in Memphis and how he was playing. Utah has been lights out recently. I backed I – backed, uh, Philadelphia against them, even with them beat out. I thought it was a really good spot for Philly to get a win. Lori Markinen came out and played lights out. They they uh they're putting it together a little bit in Utah. Similar to last year when they put together a really good stretch in the middle of the year. We're like, oh man, maybe this team is actually really solid. And then the wheels started to fall off towards the end of the year. We know Markinen was a was an all-star in that spot in that in that spot. So yeah, I like this spot. Tough to get up for this game going to Utah where Utah plays their best basketball at home. Uh, I will also 
while I am laying some wood. Let's talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are on a third and four, laying 13 against the Portland Trailblazers. Um, this is primarily a Trailblazers cap, to be quite honest with you. Um, this is, I've got the wolf, and you're like, look, they had the back-to-back, the nightmare guy in at 1 p.m. or whatever in Boston, played overtime, heartbreaker loss, brutal, brutal, come home third and four. I get it. Um, this Blazers team, I have manually downgraded them like two and a half points on power rating because it has become very apparent over the last few weeks that just there are certain teams that are first in line to, yeah, we're, we're good. We're done. That's uh, that's gonna do it. It's a wrap on uh, two thousand on the season. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll get back into it. We'll see you guys next year. And that's that's where the Blazers are. And like they are currently getting just absolutely destroyed by the Thunder. That's an absolute like they are. That that's where they're at in terms of their uh, of their season. How about this? Uh, this season, the Wolves after a loss are nine and one straight up, as you would expect for the best team in the Western Conference. Six and four, sixty percent against the spread. Uh, at home, they are an absolute monster. They are going to be glad to get back home after this road trip. They are going to be rested after you know they'll probably they'll have gotten gone straight home, rested the day. This is a normal spot. Third and four is tough, but uh, I will go ahead and, and I know it's a lot of points, but look, I have it power rated well above this. Here's it. Here's like the differential. If I give the Wolves average home court, which is not appropriate for them, I have this 17 if they have average home court. That's how much better the Wolves are than the Blazers this season, based off of my power rating. So there's absolutely no way. Like, this is a big number. I, I have too big of a differential between where I have these two teams and this number. So I'll lay the 13 with the Minnesota Timberwolves, with the Blazers notably, on a third and four back-to-back. They're, they've got the third and four, but they've got the worst end of it with the third and four back-to-back. Yeah, absolutely. And the only loss on that that nine and one stretch on not having back to after a loss was against the Pelicans after they took a loss to the Knicks. So yeah, these guys bounced back and it was a heartbreaker in Boston. I was on the NBA best stream for that game. It was a really good game. They showed up ready to go. Anthony Edwards was attacking the rim and just attacking on offense, hunting buckets. Anytime he got an opportunity, especially when he saw Jalen Brown, they were set up to get that win without Gobert and Mike Connolly. So, yeah, I agree with you here. We're talking about a scheduling spot. Portland has been on the road forever. It's going to be four four games in six days, I believe, when they end up playing Minnesota. This is a really bad matchup for them as well. Yeah. I definitely couldn't be on the on the Portland Trailblazers. It's tough to – I was actually thinking that – the Thunder would have a hard – every time I think the Thunder aren't going to get up for a game, Matt, yeah, they get up for the game. They get up for the game, no problem. It's, it's like they're ready to go every night. doesn't matter who it is. They, they were coming off uh, a four-game road trip. They closed it in Miami, got a great win, closed the, closed the game just like they do every night. And in the fourth quarter to the over, they're like 14-3 and three or something. They just they, – they just, pour it on and continue to compete possession by possession to close games. So I'm like, oh, perfect. This is a tough spot here. Jay said, take the name off the jerseys. We, had a, we were talking about it. Thunder, go to Miami, get a, get a big win. And then they have a back-to-back at home against Portland. That's about as let down as you get. Doesn't matter for those guys. Locked Portland up. is just really, really bad. Minnesota yeah. is not going to, is not going to, coming off that Boston game as well is going to be looking to, to bounce back and get a big win, and this is a good opponent to do so. 
All right, finally, uh, I am going to take the Orlando Magic plus three and a half on the road versus the Miami Heat in the uh, battle for Florida. So I've got this. <laughs> I've got this power rated with Heat somewhere between m- minus like juiced towards Miami Pickham and one. Uh, so I'm getting about two and a half points of value here with a conservative estimate towards the if I if I give the Heat a little bit more credit. I've got some interesting trends here. So this season, when the Magic allow fewer threes per game than their opponent, okay? So this is not how much um or I'm sorry, this is the this is when their opponent allows more threes than they make. So if the opponent has a three-point deficit, let's look at it that way. The Magic are 13 and 5, 15 and 3 against the spread. Okay, that's a meaningful stat. Orlando's a defensive team. That's what they want to do. They grind it. They have trouble scoring. They get outpaced by teams that can score really quickly, really easily, and they will have times have a hard time keeping up in those spots. The Heat offense is good, but it's not necessarily high volume three point. Uh, so the the Heat wind up giving up more than the, than they're uh, giving up more threes than they create on their own. And that creates an opportunity where we have a trend that favors the Magic. If we look at offensive rebounds, when the Magic have an offensive rebound advantage on average, when they average more offensive boards than their opponent, 13 and 12 straight up, 16 and 9 against the spread, though, at 64%. So they've been really good in that spot. Um, off of a loss, the Magic, 7 and 8 straight up, 10 and 5 against the spread 67 percent against the spread and finally i got one more for you which is when so you take team totals and when the magic when their overall average of points allowed below the team total is better than the opponent so they basically outperform opponent team totals better than the opponent does like it's are they a good defense is a good metric of this basically yeah are they a good defense versus the market is maybe a better way to, to establish it uh magic are 20 and 16 24 and 12 against the spread at 67 percent. so i've got four trends here at 60 60 percent plus and i make this and i'm getting no jimmy butler and i'm getting uh, a miami heat team that's always going to get a little bit more respect we see that in division market and i get it orlando shorthanded no jonathan isaac no Franz Wagner in this one. He's still out with an ankle sprain. Don't care. This Magic team with Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, Paolo Bancaro has proven it with big wins versus the Nuggets, etc. I will go ahead and I'll grab the three and a half points with the Magic here versus the Heat. One Wagner, two Wagner. What's the difference? I used to disrespect Mo Wagner so much. I hated his game. I hated everything about him. And year in, year out, as he gets a, he gets a little older, he's gotten a lot better. So I got I to gotta give Mo Wagner his flowers. He's been impactful as well and also the the magic only allow 20.67 points per game that's tops top four in the nba to center so if you can neutralize bam a little bit if you can neutralize hero a little bit then we're really asking a lot out of jaime and duncan robinson and kevin love off the bench to to fill it up now offensively they have looked really good without Jimmy the last couple games they looked really yep. good against Houston in a, in a W and 
the the I ha- I was on the over two thirty four and a half against the Heat or against the Thunder, excuse me, and they blew through it. So the ball has been moving, but they're not very deep. So if you take away one of those guys offensively, where that's the that's the Magic's bread and butter, and you're asking Miami to win on margin, it's a tough, it, it, it's a really tough situation against a familiar opponent. Yeah, it's a, a small spread, but I'll go ahead and I'll grab the points here with Orlando. I'll probably play them on the money line as well. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's talk about some divisions. As we, we do every week, we take a look at the uh, futures market and use that to talk about the league. And I think that I was looking at the futures market this week. I did put a bet in on a parlay that we'll talk about. Um, I, I think it's interesting to look at where things are right now because the market, I think, is a little bit ahead of itself just in terms of you have a combination of if you have the preseason power rating that establishes win totals and then we're halfway through the year and those have gone to the books direction, the books are only going to increase it. It's like that variance that could have led them otherwise that's baked into their numbers is gone. So they become even more confident. That's why we see things like, look, we start, let's start with the Atlantic because I think it's a a pretty good place to start, even though I'm I'm not going to have a bet on it. You know, the Celtics are already, um, they're getting, they're currently getting housed by the uh, Milwaukee Bucks as we record this in a spot where I definitely took the Celtics because they've been great on back-to-backs. And I was like, Okay, it's five and seven, but it's not that bad a spot. Yeah, yeah. dumb as shit, and I regret it immediately. Yeah, and they got destroyed. But yeah, so the Celtics are only going to be five games up on the Philadelphia 76ers. That is a significant margin with forty with forty games plus left left to play. But at BetMGM, the king of sports books, the Celtics are minus twenty five hundred to win the division. Now I don't want to bet this, but the Sixers are five and a half are going to be five behind the Knicks are going to be six and a half behind I guess seven depending on the outcome of this Mavericks game uh so it is kind of just an interesting example as we analyze this of you can look at some of these markets if nothing else is an indicator of when the books are maybe a little too confident in the fact that they got something right and so they're overestimating on this I don't disagree the Celtics are the best team in the league I don't disagree that the Celtics should be huge favorites to win the east I don't disagree that the Celtics' uh, current win total should be 60-plus. I don't disagree with any of that. It's just simply a matter of it's an interesting perspective to look at. Has Boston had any real sustained stress, adversity, et cetera? And if there are, if there are unforeseen events that occur that could tighten this, what does that suddenly look like? And is that relative to what this number reflects, in my opinion, it's not. Now, again, I'm not, I don't want to bet this, Sean, but I do think that this is a good place to start a discussion of the divisions just with, I don't think the Celtics should be minus 2,500, even if I don't want to bet the other guys, other teams. Yeah, I think it's a good point on how you laid it out. If it's almost like, see, we told you these guys were going to be the favorites in, in the Atlantic, and yeah. now we're going to, oh, if you like try to, try to throw them in a parlay, try to do whatever you want to do, you're not going to get any value out of yep. the Boston Celtics. We've been saying this for multiple years now. If you want to back the Celtics at any at any at any point, any time, any place, anywhere, any angle, you are gonna pay the tax on it. Even in this spot, five games in seven, they're probably coming off their toughest game of the year. 
Yes, they get the 18th win at home. They go to Milwaukee. Dame is for sure ruled in. The number goes from four and a half down to like two. (laughs) It's on the move in Boston. They're taking dollars in every way, shape, or form. So, yeah, if you want to back those guys, you're going to pay the tax on it. But it is a good spot to start the conversation because how do I say this? I don't want to say that the the books, uh, when they're right, they will let you know that they feel like they're right. Yep. And they dare you to go against them in, in some spots. And sometimes it is a very steep hill to climb with 40-plus games left. But that's a good example and very well put that, yeah, we told you they were going to win the Atlantic. Here you go. Go ahead and take Philly if you like them so much. Oh, they're only five games back. Here you go. We'll give you yeah, a big like, number to, this may also, to entice this, you to do it. This may also be built off a of liability, right? Where they may have just taken yeah. so much money both or both preseason and early season for them to win the division when they look so good after the Porzingis trade and the Drew Holiday trade that they may just be like, we just can't take any more. So we're going to put this at 2,500. Right. Um, I, I will say, like, again, we'll see what happens. Like, I don't, the one game wasn't going to determine it. Like, should the Knicks be plus 6,600 when they're back six and they have – OG Anobi and a Roland, and I think that they probably make another deal, whether it's for uh, additional center depth, say with a, oh, I'm just pulling out a name here, Daniel Gafford, who I reported this week the Knicks have interest in, yeah, or no. um, yeah. if they get Mitchell Robinson back, or if they add another star. Like, I, I just, the Knicks are in position to do one, to be one of those teams where, like, oh, we thought they were good, but like, no, like they went on, like, they went on a psycho January and went to the All Star break, like, two back of the division. My only problem is I'm just like, yeah, this is one of those. We talked about this on Sunday, which is the tasty, tasty CLV meal where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get I may get great value on the Knicks' CLV at 6,600. And I could just nom, nom, nom all day long when they finish plus 400. Right. I was almost right. Almost right. This is the wrong business to be almost right. (laughs) This is not the business. One thing that's really interesting about the Knicks coming into the game against the Dallas Mavericks, they're, they're, they're losing at the moment as we record this. But they were, I think they closed minus four in that game. There was a, a, an outlet that released something, a big outlet, that according to their numbers, the Knicks were gonna, are going to be favored in the next 17 games. So Woo! there is, a, there is a, a, a very big chance they could run off a ton of wins, 13 and four, something of this nature. and. Who knows? I know uh, Boston is a juggernaut. Things can things can get shaky at any point. An injury can happen. Let's be honest. Tatum goes down or Porzingis goes down for a stretch. Derek White goes down for a stretch. There is so much time where I am watching the Boston Celtics and I am confident Derek White is the most important guy on the floor, bar none. Tatum included everybody. He's so important to that team. He goes down. Things can get spooky over there. But Embiid is hurt at the moment. So interesting spot. 60, 66 to 1 is uh, is potentially a big CLV sandwich if they could get really, really hot coming down the stretch. But it's probably too long for sure. The Central Division, the Bucks are minus 700 at BetMGM. Cavaliers are plus 700. Pacers at plus 1,800 with Halley set to miss at least a couple of anywhere between i don't know like four and ten games at least uh yeah. bulls obviously plus fifteen thousand. no bet there 
Uh, this one, I am a little bit more confident that this one is wrong. I, okay. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again, John. I'm going to bet the fucking Cavaliers again. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Your boy, look, I, They keep hanging. Like, they're good. I don't – it's extremely frustrating that they're probably going to go under on their win total um, after we were very heavy on them at 22 and 15. This team is top 10. So, like, at dunks and three, schedule adjusted. The Bucks are ninth in, in schedule adjusted net rating. The Cavs are 10th. They're only three games back. They'll be three and a half after the the Bucks get done just molly whopping the Celtics. That margin is not commiserate with a plus seven hundred. Like they have coaching issues. This team just got housed in their building by the Jazz. I don't give a shit that they're catching Boston on five and seven. I don't care. Like this number should not be plus seven hundred. Like this. So here's the difference: is like, am I going to get like, is this a CLV sandwich? Or is this actually have a chance to win? I already have positions on Cleveland, so I probably shouldn't bet them again. But God, this number is wrong in the market. Like plus 700, when these two teams are this close, the Bucks defense is so shit. The coaching questions are so big. The roster questions are so big. And the Cavaliers are going to, are surviving and are going to get back Garland and Mobley in a few weeks. I feel like I almost like if we look at this market, I almost have to bet Cavaliers plus seven hundred here. I thought we weren't back in Bickerstaff anymore. I thought that was playoffs. in your contract. I thought that playoffs. was in your. I'm not betting your... him. I'm not backing him in the playoffs okay. anymore. That's okay. different. I, I misread the fine print. That was my, my fault. That, that was yeah, my clause, fault. It's subclause section four B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I can't argue with you here. Also, Cleveland, according to Tankathon. Is has the 23rd easiest remaining schedule left. They play Charlotte three times. They play Detroit and the Wizards twice. They now play the uh, the Grizz twice, who are going to be putrid here coming down the stretch without Ja. What a disaster, unfortunately, for that for that team and that that city the last year and a half or so. So they should have a lot easier way the rest of the way in Milwaukee has the fourth toughest schedule left. They play Boston three more times, Minnesota twice, the Thunder twice, the Nugs twice, the Clippers twice, Philly twice. And overall, their strength of schedule is 29th, according to strength uh, dunks and threes so far this year. So for a team showing a few problems and Giannis looking not happy quite a bit, a lot. Over over the early part of this this year, with an easy schedule, now it might get a little spooky here with tougher comp as they go on. Might not be a bad look to to give the Cavs some love at seven to one. And like maybe maybe Garland and Mobley get back and they go back to like being disappointing. That's possible. Um, if you're wondering, any, let me ask you this, Matt. Any any way? the the spider-man gets gets moved or okay, anything yeah. happens with that where it's yeah. like okay the, the they punted on right. the, the rest of the year and then that's where that ticket really just dissolves okay so that was what i was gonna go to what i have heard, now this can change if donovan mitchell goes to them and is like i am not going to resign here under any circumstances next year i've decided that my future will continue in new york they still have a year and a half okay um, that's if Mitchell does that now, which he has given, from my understanding, no inclination. Like, 
I understand that everyone in the league reporting has been like, he's not going to resign there. He's gone. And it may be a matter of time. I think like, I think he's gone by the end of the summer. That gives you, that's like the final year of the contract, right? Cavs go through this year, they figure out. But from what I've heard, they want to give this a run. Like they think that they're good. That's a very important distinction here. GMs will have very strong opinions, even if they have, their team has a good record. If they're like, I don't know how good we are. I got a lot of questions about this roster. They yeah. won't make trades because they're like, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to build on something that I don't believe in, right? Versus if they're really bought in, even if it's like, yeah, there's a lot of questions here. If they think they're good, they'll be like, yeah, but we think there's an opportunity here. We think we just got to get everybody right. And if we can, we can really make a run. That's what I hear Cleveland is thinking. So that's a big part of this is I was staying away from Cleveland futures because I was like, man, I don't know. Like Mitchell may just get traded at the deadline. But from right. what I understand right now, as we record this on January 11th, Mitchell's not getting dealt in the four weeks before the deadline. And if he doesn't get dealt, that increases, I think, the value on this because I think that's partially baked in is like, oh, Mitchell may not be there. And I'll tell you this, if they trade Mitchell, I have a very good feeling that they're probably going to wind up with a very good replacement component, regardless of who that is. Um, I would actually suggest looking towards if the Hawks were to move DeJounte Murray, that could be, if he's not already dealt, that could be a very easy swap Uh That said, all of that, I feel confident Mitchell's not going to get traded, which is part of my cap here. If he's not going to get traded and we're getting Mobley and Garland back and they're already surviving, this has to be, this number has to have value at plus 700. Yeah. There's a, there's um, a couple other other spots in the market too that you can get better than plus seven. So look yeah. around if you're taking that seriously. Uh, Southeast Division, Heater minus 275, Magic plus 200. The Hawks <laughs> are 28 to one. Pass. Uh, and the Hornets are, are 50 bazillion thousand. So these two teams are tied, the Magic and, and the Heat. You want to talk about anchoring to preseason expectations, right? Like, Oh, he came back and, and got back to the top of the division. Like, oh, we knew it. We knew that they were better. Like, we knew the Magic weren't really that good. We knew they were going to fall back to Earth, even though Orlando has had all of these injuries. Um, it's plus 200. I don't know. Like, it's tough because I don't want to bet a lot on this because it's, it's, it's a short number because it is tight. But I do kind of feel like Orlando has a very good case here that with Miami so injury prone and Jimmy having ongoing issues comes back then goes back out again. I feel like there's maybe a little bit of an opportunity here on Orlando who's only going to get healthier. They will get Jonathan Isaac back. They will, they've gotten Mark Helfold's back. They will get Franz Wagner back. They'll get all these guys healthy and they'll be in a good position. Plus they have some trade assets and Jalen Suggs is balling right now. I think Cole Anthony might be sixth man of the year. So for me, uh, magic, it's magic or nothing in this division. I wonder what happens to this number if the magic get the W tomorrow. Does that change that number? Because they only play these guys one other time after that. They play them tomorrow, and then they play them Tuesday, February 6th. So it's an interesting little wrinkle there on what could happen to Price after. It's the Heat have owned this division for so long, and yeah. the Atlanta Hawks are so hated. And it's very easy to look at Orlando as a nice, fun story. Do they do they come knock off the king? Do they have enough? Does Miami care enough coming down the stretch? That's a that's another big thing as well. But they hung on last year. The Hawks kind of were nipping at their at their shoestrings coming down the stretch, but they hung on and got it done. 
This is a tough one because I actually really believe in Orlando. I think they're really good. I think they're deep. I think they play backcourt defense, which you need in the NBA, and that's yep. something that they enjoy doing. They have a lot of guys that just enjoy playing D. Like, that's what, that's what they do. Similar to, you know, that's why I think Tibbs wanted OGN and OB so badly. It's like, this guy just wants to, he has no problem just playing D all day. Like, give yep. me that dude all the time. Yeah. And Orlando has a lot of guys in the backcourt that feel that way as well. So this is a tough one because I have a really hard time fading Miami, who has shown they could play well without Jimmy. And Jimmy is an easy guy to incorporate when, if if things need to change or if if he doesn't need to score, he's willing to to let guys do their thing. Tyler Hero, Jaime, and the rest of the crew. So this, I feel like this is fairly priced. If you want to back Miami, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tax you a little bit. And Orlando was good enough to have respect where we'll give you a little, we'll let you double your money here if you really want to take the yeah. magic this early in the year. So this is one to keep an eye on. I have, I, I have, I can't print a ticket on either side here, but I think this is fairly priced. Let's go to uh, the Southwest division. I have a parlay on the three teams in the, on three teams in the Western conference on a division. And part of it's a hedge against a prior position. And I'll explain that in a second. Let's talk about the Southwest. So the Pelicans are minus minus one twenty. Mavs plus 130, Rockets plus 650, and Grizzlies have fallen to 25,000. No job for the rest of the year. Um, obviously, don't want Grizz. Spurs so are good, not available. Yeah, Spurs <laughs> not available. Don't want Rockets. I don't want yeah. Rockets. Like they're, they're good, but they can't win on the road. Um, they've had real problems with that, and i got to stop betting them on the road. So yeah. that's Pelicans, Mavericks. And if we look at the standings, the Pelicans are 23-15, and 7-3 in their last 10, the hottest team in the league. Just got done absolutely smoking the Warriors in in uh, the Bay. The Mavericks are game back at 22 and 16, again, pending the outcome of tonight's game as we're recording. Uh, I went ahead and I, bet the, I put the Mavericks in the parlay. And it's not that I don't believe in the Pelicans. I do. But I get a buy-low spot here where this market is like establishing that the Pelicans that we've seen over the last four weeks, essentially since the um, in-season tournament disaster, that this is the real team and the only team. I will tell you that my understanding is Ian Williamson's not going to get traded until later, if at all. Like, he may not get traded, but if he does get traded, it's not going to be this season before the deadline. They're not going to make that trade. They're they're locked in with this group. Um, they're playing great, and I they're showing me all the reasons like I, why I've wanted to back them through the years. When we have the injury concerns with this roster, when we have the chemistry concerns with this roster, when I know that they're at least looking at swapping out Jonas Valanciunas because the money long-term on him, like they want to get younger. They want to reset the timeline a little bit. When um, we look at the inconsistency this team has shown, I can't get to a spot where a one-game difference, even though this is plus 130, like... I don't I don't find a reason to not want to get in on Dallas here. So I've got Dallas plus 130 as part of a parlay. I haven't been a big fan of Dallas since before the year. I took the team total under, I believe it was 44 or 45 and a half. I have to go look uh, at my telly on the, on the slip. But it's 44 or 45. I've been down on them all year. I didn't believe that Derek Lively would make the impact that he has down low. He's been really good. When he's on the floor, they're a lot better. He's hurt at the moment. Luca's out. I shouldn't think the, the the Kyrie Luca thing can carry them. Now they played the softest schedule to start the year, and it's been soft to date, according to Dunks and Threes. Their strength of schedule is twenty eighth in the league. 
down there with Phoenix and Milwaukee, but and the 76ers. But I'm just not a big fan of Dallas and what they need to do. They asked Luka to do so much, and he answers the bell every single night. It seems they've been dealing with the injuries. Kyrie's been out. Now Luka's out. Lively's out. It's been going back and forth. If I had to back anybody, the Pelicans are playing their best ball right now. You know my saying, Matt. I like to bet futures on numbers I think are going to disappear and not come back around. Pelicans have won six of seven. They're starting to put it together a little bit. I think they're going to start to creep away a bit in this division as the schedule gets tougher for Dallas. This is the slip. I would print if you're looking to to bet a divisional spot. I would take the Pelicans right now at a short twenty cents minus one twenty at BetMGM. Uh, Northwest Division, only three teams viable, and they're three of the best teams in the league. It's the three best teams in the Western Conference. The Nuggets are still favorites at plus one thirty five. The Wolves are plus one fifty five, and the Oklahoma City Thunder are plus two forty. Um, right off the bat, Nuggets are a no bet. Like, I'll just tell you right now, the Nuggets are a no bet. If you want to bet Nuggets, wait till after this road trip because they're about to go on a, they're in the middle of a, their next 10 games are basically East Coast road trip, got Celtics and Sixers home, then Sixers and Bucks, then Thunder. Like, it is a murderer's row of opponents for them over the next 10 games. There is a very good chance that this number will creep down and the Nuggets will no longer be favored and you can get them at a better number than plus 135. So I'm, I'm fine if you, want to, if you want to say, I still think Denver will be the best team in the, in the division and in the conference by the time that we get to April. That's fine. Don't bet it now. Wait until after these 10 games because their win probability over the next 10 games is so much lower than it will be on average the rest of the year. They have only four back-to-backs the rest of the season. The Wolves have nine. They have... A really heavy or easy rest schedule the rest of the way. The Nuggets will have a stretch where they play a ton of games at home on rest, and they will probably uh, perform better. But you want to wait until for the next two weeks. Wait until around February 1st, and you'll get a much better number on this. Now, uh, if you listen to the preseason episodes, you know I've got a big position on the Timberwolves to win the division. Looking great there, right? Wolves already have um, a win versus... The Nuggets, they're in prime position, best defense in the league, phenomenal start, have started to tail off a little bit, but they've got a chance here to just like fight their way to the end. So with already having a Wolves position, I did take the Oklahoma City Thunder plus 240 here to win the division. This is the Smart. second leg of the parlay with Dallas. Um, OKC has is better by my estimation. They are a better team overall than the Minnesota Timberwolves. They are power rated better by, by me. They have a better uh, schedule adjusted net rating. They have the, the Wolves have had the toughest strength of schedule via dunks and threes. The Thunder have had the ninth toughest. So these are two teams that are, have like proven that they are legit. Um, but the, the Thunder are more balanced. They're third in offense, ninth in defense. The Wolves are 17th in offense, first in defense. So they are a more balanced team. They already have been great in the division. I have, I'm getting a really good number with the books continuing to be like, we don't believe a team this young is going to keep this up. So we're going to give you a plus 240. OKC has proven it. You see comments last night, like Bama to bio being like, that team is tough as hell. That is a tough ass team. The players know. So I've got the Thunder as a second leg of the parlay, plus 240. We're going on two years in a row, Matt. <laughs> fucking thunder are are ridiculous they're awesome yeah. they show up every single night yep. they're one of the best covers going on almost a full season and a half 
where they have been sensational. I heard rumblings last year of Shea. Shea's first-team All-NBA, that's impossible. Whoa. Start paying attention because it's very legitimate. He's efficient. He does everything. The Thunder are awesome. You can go look at any metric across the board. No rest, some rest, back-to-back, rest disadvantage, home away. They are a sensational cover and show up with effort every single night. One thing about Minnesota is they they have a some soft games coming up here down the stretch as they've played a tough schedule already. They played uh, the Pistons twice, Wizards twice, Spurs twice, Hornets once. They play the Blazers four more times and Memphis twice. I would I'd be willing to go out on a limb, a quote unquote limb, of those. 6, 8, 10, 12, 13 games, they, there's, there's 13 wins. So you can pull those off the schedule and see what Minnesota does the other way. This is going to be extremely tight. Now, if you're like Matt, or hopefully you're like me and Joe Delaire and you got the West, you got Minnesota to win the West at 40-1 to 1 preseason. But if you do have a division, great hedge would be on the Thunder right now before the Nuggets go on that road trip and and get dinged up a little bit. The Thunder are for real. I don't know what else they have to do to prove that to people. But yeah, yeah I uh, this is an awesome division across the board. I love what Minnesota's doing. All three could could potentially win this division. So if you are, I would hedge and have. I'd be feeling great if I had two of the three in my pocket coming down the stretch. Yeah, and I'll just say like I don't think that I, the Nuggets are not going to put the pedal down last month of the season. They don't. They don't care about winning division. They don't care about like they want a top four seed. I think they want a top three seed is really what they want. They want a top three seeds. So they're not facing like the number one team in the second round. I think that's all that they really care about. I think they would, like they would be perfectly satisfied with two. So um, would you say, Matt? Would you say so? Say. The the nugs fade away. They their championships in the pocket. They're not worried yep. about pushing it down the stretch. You trust Oklahoma City more down the stretch because they're more a little more balanced than Minnesota. Yeah, like we started to see like Minnesota's kind of kind of started to slide like a little bit, right? Like that game versus the the Celtics was awesome. They performed so good. Like this team's great. Like I I could say that they're sliding, and that means that they're sliding from being the best team in the league, which they were for the first four weeks of the season, to being right. a top six team in the league like they are legit they can make a western conference finals and once you're there who knows right like you're within range and it's awesome go bears like it is all there for them but if i look at their recent performance we when we look at like the apex and then like we're expecting a little bit of a dip of regression to the mean instead what we've gotten is okc got to the apex and like you mentioned like we're like oh well they're gonna level off a little bit and okc's like fuck you like, we're just going. We're just winning yeah. games. Yep. They're not going to disrupt anything with a trade. Nothing's going to get wonky. There's no agendas. So, for me, I, like, that's why I think I, I like all those things. Plus, the numbers make me like the uh, Thunder a little bit more there. Uh, finally, Pacific Division. So, after the James Harden trade and after they got destroyed in Denver, I wrote a column that was like, hey, they're going to figure this out. Like, they're going to get to be pretty – they're, they're going to figure this out and they're going to be okay. And then I started to see them and then they moved Russ to the bench. And that's when I started, when I was watching these games and seeing how they play in their overall performance, that's when I started hitting Clippers division. And I've hit Clippers division four or five times. And 
I've got a sizable position now on Clippers to win the division. They are now heavy favorites at minus 250. That's honestly probably a little bit heavy, if we're going to be real. Like, that's a little bit heavy, in part because, like we said with the books, this is the opposite effect, where the books had such confidence in the Suns, the Lakers, and the Warriors. All those teams had 47.5 win total or higher, and all of them are basically, meh, or in the Warriors' case, kind of dog shit, right? And so because they're so off of that, like, well, we were way wrong, and, they, and the liability from the Clippers, which I'm sure they took in the aftermath of the Harden trade and how they've played, so now that the Clippers are heavy favorites in minus 250. But this ignores one team, which is the last team that I put in the parlay leg, which is, despite not being a, like a super confident, how are the Sacramento Kings in this market plus 350 when they're back a game to the Clippers? Now, what I've basically gotten here is I've got I've taken three teams in this parlay. And if you listen to the show, you know I'm always betting the stuff you, like throughout the year. You can track it in the app. I've gotten three teams that I think are buy low spots. I'm getting the Mavericks when everybody's high on the Pels. I've got the Thunder when the books are still like, yeah, you're too young. We don't believe you. And I'm getting the Kings when everybody's like, holy shit, the Clippers. Now, I think the Clippers win this division. But if we're talking about like what the best value to bet in this division is right now, like undeniably, it's the Kings at plus 350 when they're back one game are five and four in the division. And they are still a really good, like the Kings are still really good and they're looking for big upgrades. They want to try and get Pascal Siakam. They want to try and get a big forward to go with them. They may wind up with Tobias Harris after the deadline, which I think would still be an upgrade over Harrison Barnes. Like the Kings are in business. They want to go for it. And so I get them at plus 350 as part of this parlay. Uh, That's why I've got the Kings as the last leg in it. And if I'm recommending any bet from this division, it's got to be Kings. Yeah, I agree with you. If you're going to print any slip right now, it'd have to be the Kings at three and a half to one. If you pull up the Action Network NBA Futures odds board and go to the Pacific Division, there's a book on there that has the Clippers to win the Pacific all the way up to minus 305. Ooh. So the 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 fever pitch on the Clippers, it's starting to get there a little bit. Now, I'm on record saying a few times, we crushed James when they were bad. You got to give them their flowers now that he's got those boys rolling. They have been playing really good, and defensively they're deep. So I do like the Clippers to win the division as well. But let me ask you this, Matt. What do you think – are the books saying that I don't care if the, if the Kings are a game back or not? The Clippers are going to continue to keep rolling here. Kawhi, outside of a few games missed with the hip, have been has been playing every game. He's been locked and loaded. He did just get his money now, so I hope nothing changes with uh, <laughs> Kawhi now that he signed a little three-year, one fifty-plus extension. Question. But um, is that the thing? It's like, yeah, I don't care if they're a game back. I don't care if this is tied. That the Clippers are going to eventually pull away from this with all the guys playing, and then are they just trying to bait you in to take in the Kings? So schedule adjusted. Uh, Clippers are. 7th in net rating, ninth in offense, 11th in defense. Kings are 16th in net, 11th in offense, 20th in defense. So like a power rating perspective, I get where they're coming to here. Like you can actually like take these numbers and be able to pull them out into extrapolations of a power rating. And like, it makes sense that you would have this kind of differential because the Clippers look like a, a, a an NBA title contender. And the Kings look like a pretty good regular season team. And like, yeah. there's some concerns in Sacramento. I'm not denying that there are, 
but I am partially kind of like, yeah, but the Kings aren't going to, I don't think the Kings aren't going to spiral off into oblivion. Now, like if you want to buy the Suns, you're getting, you are buying really low on them too. Um, yeah. You're getting them enough, enough with the Suns. But look, they're five en- games back. Enough, enough with the Suns. I know. Well, I, I don't want to hear about the Suns until I see anything that would give me a reason to support them in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I I, I want to say they're if we I know this is I know we're talking divisions, but if you pull up the 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 Western Conference, and and that this is also a liability thing. Always keep that in mind yeah. about the liability aspect, but. At BetMGM, <laughs> they're five fifty to win the West. The Thunder are nine hundred. The T Wolves are eight fifty. Yeah. The Lakers yeah. are even down there at plus fourteen hundred. So I know they're they're dealing with a lot of liability on the Suns, and after you know acquiring the big three, but I have no faith in those dudes whatsoever. I have no reason to believe they're going to put it together, yeah. especially I, I am, for, I am for the just- division. I, I talk about this a lot, which is like, look, if you're going to buy low, it's never going to be comfortable. Sure. Like if you're really going to buy low, you're buying it's low when point. it's like when nobody wants it, right? And nobody wants these teams right now. Um, you know, Lakers are probably like they're five and a half back. Is that can you not come back from that if Kawhi does miss time? If PG misses time, pardon, like yeah, you can get there. But Clippers are the best team, and but I will say also this number to me is way more reflective of. The Clippers, like to me, this is all like a derivative, right? What's the Clippers' power rating? What's their championship equity? Okay, that filters into a power rating. That's remaining games favorability. How like how much do they be favored in the remaining games? Everything filters down, and liability impacts it and moves it. And clearly, the Clippers took money. And I think that that's that's right. Like I think the Clippers are the best team. I think the Clippers should have taken money. But now we're at a point in the market where I'm like, okay, it's gone a little bit too far, and I can get the Kings and put them in this parlay. So um, I do have a Kings, Thunder, and uh, Mavericks parlay, and you can switch those around. I've got that 33.89 to 1, plus 33.89. So um, all right, that's got to do it for Buckets for your Friday. Hope you guys have a great weekend. We'll be back on Sunday night with the future Jays. Joe should be back with us then. And we'll keep it rolling here on Buckets. Make sure to download the Action Network app. Check us out on YouTube.com slash the Action Network. And make sure to check out our live shows. And my thanks to David Payne, our producer, as well as Hutton Jackson, the crew, putting us up on YouTube. My thanks to Sean for joining me on tonight's show. Good to see you again, buddy. And we will see you guys again next time. Until then, let's get Buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.